0: What's going on, everybody? Welcome to another Angle of Pursuit podcast, your fantasy football and sports betting home over at FakePigSkin.com. I'm your host, Kyle Robert. You follow me on Twitter at NotoriousKRO. With me once again, it's Brian Twining. What's up, Brian?
1: What's up, Kyle? I'm excited to dive into this best ball draft we just recently completed, and as it was my first one I've ever done, so can't wait to see how well I did or how crappy I'm going to (laughs) be.
0: Uh, yeah, I, I think it's a, a great, uh, tool to get ready for the season. And, um, if you've never done a best ball draft, go check out our latest pod with, uh, John Daigle from Roto world. Uh, we talked some tips some tricks, some players to target, some players to avoid, um, and, and just different ways to play. So, uh, go check that out. It's on iTunes it's on Stitcher. It's on uh, our YouTube feed. Um, but we wanted to review Brian's first draft. We wanted to review, uh, some of our takeaways from the draft, some of our thoughts, but Brian, I guess what was your initial reaction to best ball and, and how is it different from, you know, other drafts you've done? I
1: mean, I think the major difference has to do with the bye weeks and um, you know, in redraft, it's probably the least important thing that I'm I'm looking at is when guys are on buys because there is so much roster turnover. There's a lot of injuries. Most of the time, half of your team is not the same by the end of the year as you've, making tons of transactions, trying to find the next big thing. Whereas in best ball, like the guys you draft are, is your team for the entirety of the season. So, you know, you find you, you need to make sure you have coverage for every week of the year.
0: Yeah, no. And I think that's a great point. Like, and it's funny to me because some people will go into redraft with that mindset of I need to get all my bye weeks figured out and I need to have it all set up. And, and then you look at your roster by week five, week six, week seven, and like 80% or 60% or 40% of those guys are away. And whether it's a trade or roster or waiver wire or whatever, um, you know, it, it's funny how that happens. But yeah, in best ball, you have to definitely... You know, you don't want to go out of your way, but if you're like between two players and you're like, oh, I need to make sure I cover my bye week. And if I go here, then I have a better chance. Or with your quarterbacks, especially, you want to be specific about, okay, well, I drafted Russell Wilson, his bye week six. I don't want to draft any other quarterbacks that are going to have a week six bye week um, and and kind of figure that out. Uh, My other question for you is. we typically wait on quarterback, typically wait on tight end. Uh, but in this league, you not only are you, you're drafting at least two of those because you have to be able to cover said by weeks. You have to be able to maintain injuries. Um, so that means that posi- those positions are getting pushed up a little bit. Did it, was it hard for you to, to pull the trigger? I mean, obviously you took Dak Prescott in round seven. Was it just a kind of feeling out the draft and they're like, oh, the quarterbacks are starting to move. Um, let me jump on it or what, you know, how, how, cause you know, we, we want to wait, we want to get that best value. So, so how did that, you know, impact the way you drafted for this league?
1: Yeah, I gotta say it definitely gave me a lot of anxiety drafting Dak <laughs> in, in the seventh round as the fifth quarterback off the board. Cause that isn't something that I normally do in redraft leagues. but after the top four guys were taken with Kyler, uh, Patrick Mahomes and Lamar Jackson, you know, the next guy for me is Dak Prescott. Like he, mm-hmm. him and Kyler are kind of at the three, four range for me. So I wanted to be able to get an elite guy that as long as he stays healthy, I know I'm getting top 10 production the entire year at in best ball. And I know he's going to have a lot of spike weeks with the kind of offense they run. Yeah. So I, you know, I, I feel I reached a little bit for my, for my liking, but you know, I, I, I I'm happy with taking Prescott rather than waiting a little bit longer and going with the, with the likes of like a Josh Allen, a Baker Mayfield or something guys like that.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And like, to be fair, so uh, you know, between round seven and 10, so that three round span, 12 quarterbacks went off the board, another eight or so went after, or, you know, between 12 and 14. Um, So quarterbacks generally go in that range. So you, you got in at the right time, Um, and had you not taken Dak there, you would have been looking, I mean, you could have waited another round and taken Deshaun Watson instead. And, but I mean, I I think I'd rather have your combination of Dak Prescott and Mike Williams than say Marquise Brown and Deshaun Watson or Jamison Crowder in Deshaun Watson.
1: Yeah. I mean, and then, uh, something else that came into that decision was the fact that on my previous pick, I had taken Michael Gallup Mm -hmm. and, Luckily for me, as John had said, like, it's good to kind of stack players. And yep. as I'm as me, I talked about it on the pod. Like I, I still am really high on Gal's potential for this year. So if I think he's going to do really well, and we've been harping on this for however long we've been doing these podcasts, like if we think the skill position players are going to be good, that means the quarterback's going to be good and vice yep. versa. So I figured right. I would, I would kind of combo those two together.
0: Yeah, no. And that's a great point. Like, um, you know, When you think about this, you're not trying to, like, you're trying to win the league. And when you're shooting for upside, you're shooting for potential, you want to target those offenses that you think are going to be dynamic, that you think are going to have a big impact this season in fantasy, and grabbing a few pieces, even if it's not necessarily, like, you didn't grab Zeke and Amari Cooper, but you grabbed chunks of that Dallas offense, valuable chunks of the Dallas. Because, obviously, not only going to get the Amari Cooper, the Zeke stuff with, with Dak, but you're also going to get some of that passing game with Michael Gallup, which I actually think is going to have a nice value. As we talked about with the quarantine situation, kind of throwing a wrench into the offseason. I think it might take Ceedee lamb a, a little bit longer to get to where he needs to be, to be a, a thing that takes Michael Gallup out of the offense and, you know, there's a good chance that, you know, we're talking about this Cowboys offense in two years as CeeDee Lamb and Michael Gallup, not CeeDee not Lamb and Amari Cooper. So I, I like where your head's at. Um, so for you, I guess at, at the top of the board, and, and we'll just kind of run through this. Uh, you went three running backs in your first four picks Dalvin Cook, Jonathan Taylor, David Montgomery. <laughs> um, Poor Monty. I don't know, I kind of like him this year. I have been seeing some some positive uh stuff trickle out about him and he's becoming a guy that I think has that top 12 type upside but you can get in round 4 and I I think that makes a lot of sense. Uh now I will say I do like that strategy. I I I myself when Josh Jacobs Miles Sanders I I'll pick 11. Uh, so I went all I, Jacobs at 11 and then Sanders at what, th- uh, 13, so, or 14.
1: Um, I like I think, that combo by the way. I think that's I think, two really but, dynamic players.
0: Yeah. Uh, guys that I think, it, you know, we could talk about Carlos Hyde going to Seattle, but Carlos Hyde going to Seattle means Carlos Hyde's not going to Philly. I still think they'll get somebody. Uh, but if Miles oh, Sanders yeah. is getting 65% of the work instead of 55% of the work, I'm a lot happier. Um, but I've, I tried, I've done three drafts so far and I've tried, you know, I've been talking with Jared small on, on Twitter and different things. And, uh, you know, a lot of people have the, okay, start with your running back core early, get your receivers and then kind of figure everything else out. Um, and that's typically how I draft my best ball teams. I've tried to do it the other way. Like I've, I love getting Michael Thomas or Devontae Adams early, but I, am just never quite as happy with my team, especially cause you, it's, you know, I'm, I'm happy going zero RB and working the waiver wire and finding those studs, oh, but in best ball, sure. best ball, you can't do that.
1: Yeah. It, I mean, that's, you know, that's a great point and that's something else I, I wasn't even really thinking about, uh, you know, in, in best ball with the inability to make roster moves, yeah, you kind of need to get the that solid base of running backs who you know are going to be getting the majority of the work or at least they're in a, ti- a, a good timeshare where it's 50-50 because you can't, you can't hope players are going to be taking over roles. So, like, for instance, I took Zach Moss, you know, in round 10 where in a redraft league, like that's, that's fantastic. But if I were to, if he was my second running back taken in this best ball, I'd be in pretty bad shape, you know, hoping that he was going to be getting any sort of, you know, decent amount of touches. So yeah, it's, I, I could say that I would probably lean towards stacking running backs in future drafts.
0: Yeah. And Moss is a great target to, to if you think that he is going to become the guy in Buffalo, um obviously don't you don't want to take um you don't want to take Singletary and Moss like you're not trying to do any sort of handcuff situation you're trying to get the most points possible you're shooting for the moon um and and you know the one nice thing about best ball is it really takes a lot of the guesswork out of it when you're starting your your teams every single week so grabbing value um you know especially at a position like running back like I did the same thing with Fingers crossed Justin Jackson, uh, who I took in round 19 just because he kept falling (laughs) to me and I didn't know what to do with him. But um, if he becomes a touchdown guy in that offense and kind of is the, uh, you know, the thunder to Austin Eckler's lightning, even if it's 40 percent of the work, but, you know, 70 percent of the goal line touches. um, I'm going to be I'm going to be loving life.
1: Yeah, that that can be one of those picks that helps propel you to to the top of the league if if he is to be kind of like you said the thunder and we don't really see kelly in there as much with this whole situation of the coronavirus going on him not being able to be working to the offense so that could be one of the steals of this draft
0: um was there any picks in this draft that you thought wow that's great value or wow that you know that really worked out for that person
1: Uh, I mean, I'm going to stick with, with my team, but I love getting Russell Gage in round 19. Yeah. I mean, the guy, he he showed that he could be an integral part of that, of that offense down the stretch last year, as he was playing with Calvin Ridley hurt Julio Jones being kind of hampered, uh, seemed to develop a pretty good rapport with Matt Ryan. And I, in an offense, that's going to be throwing a lot. We saw it last year again, dirt cutter hates running the ball. Uh, they're going to be losing, as we alluded to on our last podcast. that The defense is still garbage. So in a pass-heavy offense in round 19 as my like sixth wide receiver, I think that's great. He could be one of those guys with the injury history of Julio and, and Ridley to a certain extent. He takes yeah. over. He's the number two guy there. I'm looking yeah. at a good a good wide receiver on a weekly basis.
0: Well, and as we talked about with John, this is a team that lost a lot of production from their passing game a year ago. 30, almost 40% of their of their targets are out the window. You know, Austin Hooper's gone. Uh, you know, obviously Gurley's going to come in and get some of that work. You know, we talked about our love for Hayden Hurst. We think he's going to be involved. But Russell Cage could absolutely see a nice little uptick and be a lot more involved in that offense. And getting him late is great. And even if it's three games or four games where he goes for 89 yards, a touchdown, you know, maybe, maybe, you know, six catches, four catches, whatever it is like your love and life for those games where you get to use them. Uh, The gate, the pick that I really liked um, and I'm going to kind of throw you under the bus with this one, but carry on Johnson went, went after Jordan Howard, Latavius Murray and your Sony Michelle. Um, (laughs) (laughs) If Brady was still there, I'd love the Sony pick, but I have so many questions about that offense. Like Latavius is interesting if we think he's going to be heavily involved. And in, like, I want to be excited about Jordan Howard, but this, this was basically, I think that pick was made before the whole Matt Breida stuff. Uh, or was it? No, Matt Breida was probably there, huh? No, I, th-
1: I think Matt Breida was there.
0: Yeah. So I don't, I don't get that at all. So um, unless you think, unless they think Jordan Howard's going to be the guy, but yeah, uh, I know, I know there's a lot of debate about where, what carry on Johnson may or may not be and how much he may be involved and if he can even finish the season. So I get him, but um, I, I really like that pick.
1: The, yeah, I I have to, I have to admit that one was really hard for me to do. And I went back and forth cause I did kind of seesaw on whether I was going to take carry on or Sony and yeah my my thought process for taking uh, Mr. PlayStation is, you know, I just think with, with Stidham taking over, I think we are going to see a more run heavy approach, less James White, more ground and pound. And I mean, even if the offense takes a step back, I mean, we're talking about an NFL offense that still operates pretty efficiently. And if they're down by the goal line, they do rely heavily on the running game and Michelle is most likely to get those carries over anybody else. So that's kind of, was kind of the direction that I went.
0: Was there anything you wish you had done differently, or you wish you had gone in on a position earlier, or anything like that? You that now looking back at it, you're just like I'm not really sure why I went that way.
1: Um, you know I, I i i like my team, but I am kicking myself over the fact that I didn't take Larry Fitzgerald in I mean you you took him in round sixteen
0: mm-hmm. when I
1: took Irv Smith as my second tight end. And you know, we've talked about this multiple times. We both think that that Cardinals offense is going to be, you know, it's we're looking at a run and shoot style where they're going to be throwing forty to fifty passes a game. And yeah, even though Fitz has lost a step, he's still going to be garnering, you know, upwards of 120, 130 targets on the season. So that's again another really good value pick that I am kicking myself over not taking and then going somewhere else as a backup tight end.
0: Yeah, I, I mean and I obviously Fitzgerald's not going to be a sexy pick. He's not going to be a wide receiver the the wide receiver one. But I think he'll be a a guy that finds himself in my lineups a lot of weeks, um and, and just bring safety and reliability. And if you know another year of Kyler that offense takes another step forward. Uh I, I think it makes a lot of sense. Um I'm really, I'm, I'm starting to question taking Odell Beckham over Allen Robinson, um, Amari Cooper and Juju (laughs) Smith-Schuster.
1: I was going to ask you about that
0: one. I really like, this is your love for the Browns coming out. I, I do love the Browns. I still think there, I still think there's a lot of room and I still think the optimism we had a season ago is, is still there. I still think we can be excited about this offense. I think Stefanski can do a lot, um, but it might take a few weeks to get there. I don't know, but, uh, Alan Robinson is so sexy and so, and so like rock solid and gonna be so heavily involved where this Browns offense has so many different pieces and parts. And, you know, it could be a Jarvis Landry game. It could be, a, we go to the tight ends with Austin Hooper and David and Joku. It could be, you know, all Kareem hunt and Nick Chubb. Um, and there could be certain games where, where Odell's just not quite as involved. So, um, but he also has that the wide receiver one upside where he goes for 1500 yards and 12 to 15 touchdowns.
1: Yeah, I mean if if we're looking at them, you know, comparably, I I would I would take Odell over over Robinson in a one to one comparison, but for me, I'm just so concerned with Baker Mayfield and his
0: ability to be able to get the ball to his guys. That, it's all right. Case Keenum will start if he's that terrible. <laughs>
1: to be honest with you, I almost feel like Case Keenum would be better for, for Beckham because he, he, he plays on schedule and you know, it. you just get the ball to a guy like Beckham and he makes things happen. You, you know, it's like, it's like we saw that with Stephon Diggs. He had games where he had two catches with Kirk cousins and Stefan Diggs is an elite talent. You know, yeah. it's a similar situation with Beckham. Like, He's one of the elite wide receivers it's just can the can the quarterback get him the ball
0: yeah uh my running back core i'm pretty happy with obviously jacobs and miles sanders then i've got jk dobbins which I, i i really want i really think he can take over from mark ingram i think he can at least be involved and then take over as the season goes along um and then obviously ronald jones i'm this is the ronald jones ronald jones hive so i had to i had to get involved there and uh, Tevin Coleman, I'm I, I love the Niners offense, I think it's gonna still be incredibly run heavy. And, um, I feel like last year everyone assumed they knew exactly what would happen. And, uh, Matt Breida ends up being the guy to own early and then late, obviously Raheem Mostert takes over. But Tevin Coleman's still there, Tevin Coleman's still involved, and, uh, I still think he can be the, the guy. And I, I'm gonna be targeting this offense, I think, um, come redraft time, but I I think once again I'm going to be waiting for whoever's the last guy. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna pay the price for Raheem Mostert when I can get no. an, another guy that I think has just as much potential. Uh, several rounds later.
1: Well, we actually we actually did a podcast last year where we talked about who would you rather have, and we we chose uh, I think it was either Mostert or Jeff Wilson as a guy to keep at the end of your bench just because of the style of offense that they run. And then a couple of weeks later after that, we saw that guy go off for multiple touchdowns in a game. And it's, you know, you're, you're picking based on the offense, not just the player specifically for like how, how they're going to be utilized if there is an injury to occur or if they are the one getting the majority of the touches.
0: Yeah, and it's like we can use. Obviously, we're using information and stuff we're getting, and you know the skill set, and and kind of trying to project the player. But you also don't want to assume you know like everything. Like you have to give yourself some wiggle room. So if you can get, if you have two players that are pretty similar, like you think, okay, well, obviously I like this guy better. But if I can get a ten round difference, and I can grab instead of taking Tevin Coleman around three, I'm taking Matt Breida in round twelve, around thirteen. Like I did that and I was very happy. And then obviously, you know, we were told people to pick up Jeff Wilson cause injuries can occur. And then he becomes the touchdown guy and, <laughs> and, and this, that, and the third, but uh yeah, I, I, it, that's the fun about, about best balls too, is cause you can take some shots on guys like that. You know, this goes 20 rounds. Obviously you're drafting uh, two defenses, two kickers or no two defenses, two quarterbacks, two tight ends, at least. Um, A couple things on your team. I probably would have taken another tight end. Um, I I love Hayden Hurst, I think he can be a tight end one. But when Irv Smith's the only other tight end you have, like, I want, I think, I think there's a chance that he takes over and he's a lot more, especially with uh, Stefan Diggs out of the picture. Like, I like that player a lot. Um, but I would have probably added like, uh, um, Even, even
1: Greg Olson,
0: right? Yeah. Greg Olson went in round 20. And I think like, had you taken, you know, him instead of Russell Gage and then Gage on the way back or, um, or just stuck with Brent Edwards. Yeah. Or, or, or Chris Herndon or Gerald Everett could have made sense too. I think, I think if you had three, three of those guys, I think you'd feel a little bit better. Um, But you know,
1: full disclosure though. My next pick with Muhammad Sanu, that was actually a mistake. Uh, fat finger press because I yes. was I was looking at the player mm-hmm. and I went to X out and I and I accidentally hit the draft button. So I just went, oh well, what are you going to where do? we're
0: at? <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. So yeah, and that that stuff does happen, like. Um, I did have to, you know, turning on notifications, taking some time that, that is the one nice thing about when you do these best ball drafts with a slower clock, it's just so much easier to like, okay, look at my roster where am I at? You know, you have some time to kind of figure things out before you dive in. Okay. What, what is the last, you know, group of teams done? You know, is, you know, if I take a quarterback here, is, am I going to start a run or do I, you know, can I feel comfortable waiting until I come back around? So little things like that, it it definitely helps doing it um, on on a slow clock.
1: Yeah. And I think it's also, uh, it's, it's also like part of the game and it makes it more fun too, to have to analyze the group of guys that are coming up and who you're going to be skipping on. If you were to take somebody at this level and, you know, you have to do a little more research in a slow draft, looking ahead to that, like, okay, am I going to start, loading up on this position and then kind of punt on these next group of guys, this next 18 guys, because I I have, you know, if you're on, if you're on a turn pick, you have, you know, a full 22 picks or 23 picks before your next one.
0: Yeah, no, I, I think that makes a lot of sense. Um, I do like what you did with your running backs though, because obviously Dalvin Cook's a stud, uh, but I think Jonathan Taylor and David Montgomery, if you're talking about ceiling, like I think they could both be really, really impactful top five, six, seven type guys. Um, You know, obviously we love that offense for Taylor. And if the keys are handed to him on day one, I mean, that's like a 1200 yard, 10 to 15 touchdown type season in the making. And uh if the bears get something out a Nick Foles and instead of the train wreck, that is Mitchell Trubisky. I think David, I think David Montgomery is going to be a lot better. So I, I you know, I, I like to get four or five running backs that I love that I think have you know stud potential and then just let the and then kind of fill in the gaps ever elsewhere and I think you know obviously you went a little with that fourth guy you went with a combination of Sony Michelle and Zach Moss and Darrington Evans which I like I like Evans a lot I think he could be really interesting you know there's definitely a path to Zach Moss being the guy and you know if the the Patriots offense isn't as bad as we all expect, which you know, we we've been proven um, that that's not always the case. Uh, maybe Sonny Michel is a guy that's interesting. And even if it's just a volume play, like we saw how obviously he's not as good as Joe Mixon, but Joe Mixon was was it really a, a fantasy viable last year, even though the Bengals' offense was an absolute train wreck. So, you know, weirder stuff has happened. So if he's getting that, you know, where volume is key, if he's getting in the majority of the work, you're going to be loving life.
1: Yeah, you know, that was something else that I found interesting was the fact that
0: both Jonathan
1: Taylor and J.K. Dobbins went before their predecessors on their current teams. So, I mean, you got a lot of people were looking towards the future already and the guys that are the home run hitters as opposed to, you know, kind of the steady eddies on the on the rosters.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And it's interesting. I, you know, I I want to kind of keep an eye on ADP as we approach redraft season, as other people start getting involved and seeing, you know, Damian Williams and Marlon Mack, how, how much are they rising? How much is Clyde Edwards-Alaire and J.K. Dobbins and Jonathan Taylor falling? Like, Is it a we're excited or are we going to be, as we get closer to the season, getting more and more information that actually that's the way to go? And these guys are going to get, you know, we're going to be looking at Jonathan Taylor as a second round pick instead of a third round pick where, uh, you know, and then maybe J.K. Dobbins is a third instead of a fourth, that kind of thing. So, uh, you know, that those are the those are the things that are really fun to kind of track. Because then when you're heading into redraft season, when you're heading into, you know, your home leagues, whatever, um, you know, you have a better base on where these players should be going and when you have to reach, when you have to grab and and all that stuff.
1: Who's the the player that you are most disappointed that you missed
0: out on? Like somebody sniped you or? Um, hmm, That's a great call. Do you have one off the top of your head?
1: Uh, I mean, obviously, I'm disappointed I didn't get Fitz because I try to get oh. him on every fantasy team. But um, it, for me, it's got to be David Johnson
0: yeah. with
1: Houston. It I I took Metcalf there as my second wide receiver, but I was really hoping that Johnson had fallen to me, and I would have taken a fourth running back right there because I really feel that if Carlos Hyde was able to put up a thousand yards and yeah. you know six seven touchdowns, David Johnson in a similar offense. It minus DeAndre Hopkins now, I think is going to be able to put up pretty good fantasy numbers for somebody that was taken as like RB24 or something.
0: Yeah. No, I, I think that's a great call. And if you head over to fakepigskin.com, I wrote up an article about three guys that I am uh, think are fantasy values in best ball. And, I, and David Johnson was one of the names that I mentioned. So, you know, when you're aiming for the ceiling, when you're aiming for a guy who could be the, he could be the RB1. He was the RB1 two years ago. In an offense where you know if he stays healthy, he runs the ball efficiently. Uh, he's going to be involved in the passing game. This could be a, a monster season for him. And and if things don't go well, then you'll know early, and he'll be out of the picture, and you'll you'll have to turn to your other pieces. But um, no, I I think I think David Johnson's absolutely a guy uh, that I will be targeting. Um, you know, there there really isn't like one name that that you know, I kind of wish had, had fallen to me or I was about to take, um, I really wish I got gotten more Matthew Stafford just cause I love him as a player. And I, and I, and I think I waited too long. I, I got, you know, I took, I took Noah Fant and I took golden Tate and then ended up taking Derek Carr as my QB two, And I don't love that it quite as much, but you also like have to play with the bye weeks and stuff. And like, I had Aaron Rodgers, So Stafford would you know, he's a week five. So like, if you have players that, you know, you're going to be targeting, or you'd really like to target plan ahead for that too. And don't, you know, if you have two quarterbacks that like, I loved, uh, you know, Carson Wentz, Aaron Rodgers, um, even like Baker Mayfield, like I, those guys are all kind of like, I would have been happy with any of those. Um, And then, you know, okay, well, if I want to get Stafford in two rounds, then let me grab a guy who doesn't have a week five bye, because once you pencil that in, then you can't go back to it. Um, The one thing I, one other tip I would recommend is if you don't get a guy like an Aaron Rodgers, like a Patrick Mahomes, like a Dak Prescott, um, and you go the route of a Baker Mayfield and a uh, Derek Carr, like grab a third guy just to be safe. Like, if you get, if you're using the draft capital on, on a guy with more upside, like I'm, I'm fine rolling with two, same thing with tight ends. But if you're getting a little more, you know, where it's going to be, where you, if it's a guy that you'd be, you potentially streaming during the season, I would make sure you have three, not two.
1: Yeah. You know, that's uh I'm glad you, you mentioned that because we had talked uh, off the air about this, that y- even though I had Dak Prescott and I wound up taking Drew Locke, I wasn't. I'm not. I'm not enamored with having Drew Locke as my only other quarterback in this league if Prescott were to go down. But yeah. you know, I was seriously contemplating going with Ryan Fitzpatrick towards the end of this draft, just with some some kind of blanket security for a guy who we've seen be able to put up three, four touchdowns as he's he's this generation's like Brett Favre gunslinger type guy that. You know, even on a crappy team, he's going to put up some okay numbers. And yeah. I don't think it's quite to his team just yet. So, you yeah. know, he, he'd be a guy I'd be targeting if you oh, are going sure. that 3QB route.
0: Oh, yeah, for sure. Because even, or he, he's a great option where if you want to take a younger quarterback that might take some time to develop, like if you want to, if you're like, oh, Joe, uh, um, Joe Burrow is going to break out this year, it might take him six weeks to, to, finally emerge and it'd be really good or even drew lock to a lesser extent like it might be a little slower to start like he's a great option okay well this guy might have four or five mo- like you know a couple monster games before they you know he starts throwing a bunch of picks and is eventually replaced but at least you get the, that point um the other thing I'll, is we you do take defense and you take usually take two of them it is interesting to kind of look, obviously people, you know, still sort of wait till the end. Um, I was a little more aggressive. I took Baltimore in round 14 and then I took Denver and set round 17, but like we were a lot, we were, a, you know, Grant Barfield uh, was in this draft with us and looking at his draft, he went Seattle, and Miami. I'm wondering if like as good as Baltimore or San Francisco or Buffalo or even New England might be, Are they really going to be that much better on a week to week basis where, you know, basically I could have taken uh, James Washington. I could have taken, um, uh, you know, Alan Lazard. Like I could have taken another potential big play receiver and waited and took in, you know, taken Denver and Houston or Denver and Carolina or whatever it may be.
1: Yeah, you know, thinking about it now, as I'm looking at my team, like I have two good defenses, like real life defenses that get you good steady points, but neither of them are real like turnover machines and that get those monster weeks of punt returns or defensive touchdowns in Minnesota and Dallas. And, you know, being that this is best ball, you're trying to get some kind of difference on a week to week basis. And, you know, a team like Miami, who has really good corners, who could, and they're playing with a bunch of
0: young quarterbacks in that division. Yeah, when you're facing they, Sam Darnold and Josh Allen and Jared, and Stidham. And Jared Stidham. You know, yeah. they can have some
1: weeks where they have a couple pick sixes, you know. So mm-hmm. I think that's great. And also thinking about the fact that you kind of want to load up on guys that could have those spike weeks, like a James Washington, for instance, rather than, you know, defenses. What is the what is the average difference in scoring on a week-to-week basis from 1 to 20 even
0: yeah.
1: on defense? You know, it's probably a handful of points. So.
0: Well, and there's, there's, so really, a... there's so much turnover on a year-to-year basis where people even like, oh, the Chicago's, always, oh, and now it's Baltimore. Oh, and now it's this team. And it's like, you know, people are going to draft the Niners four or five rounds too early. And the Niners, I still think, are going to have a good defense, but they still have questions at corner. They yeah. still have some, some deficiencies, and they played on a division with a, a really good Seattle, a really good Arizona, and a really good Rams offense. So... They could have some some bummer games and you're kind of frustrated and why did I draft them? So, you know, it's hard to, uh, it, it, that's something I think I learned from this draft that I'm going to use going forward.
1: Yeah, and then also, like we talked about this with, with John, um, I think this is a good kind of like beginning to your research for your redraft leagues, like looking at where ADP kind of begins and how it evolves, you know, looking at looking at the draft in round 13, for instance, Preston Williams, Nikhil, Nikhil Harry, Hunter Renfro, um, Alexander Madison, who else on here, Deshaun Jackson, all going in round 13, which is, you know, close to the end of redraft leagues. Like if you're getting guys like that, like that kind of value, you, can, you might be able to wait at the wide receiver position and load up on your running backs in a redraft league, knowing that these guys are going to be target monsters and be really good for PPR scoring
0: yeah yeah no i think that's a i think that's a great point the other thing i'm gonna do is is i'm gonna do a few of these uh you know throughout the off season and see how my thoughts change and be like why in the world did i draft this guy in round 13 he's terrible or how did i get him this guy at such a good value is adp shot up six rounds it's just that that is one of the fun things and also just keeping track of how many times I draft a guy? How many times I draft this guy? And, okay, I'm obviously going to be a big fan of, you know, certain players. And if you're doing a few of these and you're kind of doing them throughout the offseason, it's good to kind of, you know, as we mentioned with John, to, to diversify a little bit. Like, don't always take, you know, Carson Wentz and Dak Prescott. You know, okay, if I have Wentz and Aaron Rodgers is going in the same region, you know, flip them and and take them, take him for a couple picks, or wait at quarterback and and take a couple, you know, upside shots and see and see if you like your team better that way. And like one thing I've learned is in best ball, I love going running backs early and uh, in redrafts, I'm gonna probably do a little more receiver early, but um, but yeah, I've I did the opposite, thinking okay, well that's how I normally draft, and so I just I, I'm not quite as happy with my team. Just because there's so many receiver values in that mid range.
1: Well, I mean, just like the, the guys that I mentioned, and then you got Tyro Williams, yeah. really late Larry Fitzgerald. Yeah, I went. Cole, I went even Tyra Cole Williams, Beasley.
0: Yeah, Tyro Williams, Larry Fitzgerald, Cole Beasley, and then Demarcus Robinson, my last pick. Like those who are could forwards. who
1: could wind up being the out the other outside receiver if Kansas mm-hmm. City decides to jettison Sammy Watkins somewhere. So. Yeah,
0: or Sammy Watkins gets hurt, like or has concussions yeah. or whatever like every uh, year. Um, yeah. So we'll have to do this, we'll have to keep an eye on the ADP and and uh do a couple more of these throughout the throughout the year to kind of get a sense of of where the is heading, where people's draft thoughts are heading, where our draft thoughts are heading. To be honest, like you know, we we may assume that we're in on somebody and then we get more information, get more research and uh you know, change our mindset or say, hey, you know, that's just it's just too aggressive at that price tag. So um uh, Are you interested in doing some more, Brian? Sure. Yeah.
1: I I love drafting. It's preparing and doing a draft is probably my favorite part of fantasy.
0: Well, and that's the coolest thing is with best ball, you get to have all the fun of drafting without having to do the in-season management. You don't have to go set your lineup every season. You know, so if you, instead of joining another 12 dynasty leagues or, uh, (laughs) you know, committing to all these redraft leagues you can do a bunch of best ball and then just focus on your handful of leagues that you really want to care about and then you're still doing as much drafting you're still ha- and, and at the end of the year you might be winning some some cash money if you uh take home some of these prizes so uh all right brian anything else before we get out of here no, I just want to say happy drafting, everybody.
1: This, this is the best time to start getting prepared here because this is the beginning of ADP, and you really get to kind of see where you can steal steal values and who to kind of let people take right now um, rather than, you know, jumping the gun on certain guys. Like, I am kind of worried at Jonathan Taylor, even in round three, because we don't know what, yeah. the, what the, the play is going to be. But, you know, other than that, I'm just happy to get – Fantasy, some kind of fantasy sports still going and uh, absolutely. hopefully we
0: get a football season. Yep. Um, and then make sure you are joining us every Wednesday live on our YouTube. Bring your questions, bring your comments. Uh, you know, we're always down to, to chat. Uh, make sure you follow us on Twitter at FPAOP. Uh, this Wednesday, we will not be recording. Uh, I have a prior commitment. But uh, we'll. Fo- I think we'll either do Tuesday or Thursday. We'll we'll tweet that out. Make sure you're checking in on that. Um, and anything you want us to talk about, if you have spe- you know show ideas or information you want us to dig up for you, let us know. Um, and we'll and we'll try and crank that out because this is the off season of content. So, uh, we're in, we're in the heart of best ball season. If you want to jump into a best ball league, uh, best ball tens is a great way to go. Uh, low cost of admission uh super fun there's all you know there's ones that you can do if you want to just draft right away where you can have a minute clock there's ones that you know you can have up to eight hours and you get an email and you can hop in that way so you know a multitude of ways to draft but uh for brian twining i'm kyle robert and we'll talk to you guys next time